want a big project because it will give you so many lessons. Well, take a really big risk because you have so much room to mess up. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and um, we're going to be talking about hard money today. And we have Ethan, and Ethan, you work for Priority Investor Loans. Priority Investor Loans. Yep. Not in Tampa, Florida. And we're going to be talking about. I've gotten some stuff, some comments where guys are saying, "Hey." You know, let's talk, uh, or can you explain what hard money loans are? And I actually did a video, I think, explaining it like a year and a half ago, but people still ask. And so we're going to talk about basically investing and uh, hard money loans and what a hard money loan is. And we're gonna, first, we're going to just kind of start off with that. So check this out. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think that real estate investing is a, this mystical, difficult thing to get into. And it's really not, it's quite simple, but one of the biggest barriers is money. People don't have money to start their own flips, and that's really where you would use a lender. And there are two types of lenders, so I'm gonna go through basically the entirety of a, a real estate deal and how you get into it, but specifically focus on the money since that's the biggest hurdle that most people have. So there are two different types of lenders. You got private money and hard money, and the only real difference is private money is people's money. So it'd be like, if I asked you, can I use your money to fund somebody else? Hard money is I would go to a bank. So I'm just buying my money from the bank. People don't really know the differences. For all intents and purposes, it doesn't matter. The money, the lender is gonna be the same. They're still gonna lend you at about the same rate. So if you're kind of confused about, should I use private money, should I use hard money? Don't get hung up on that. Um, these loans, they're all gonna be collateral-based loans. So the good part about that means I'm not looking too deeply into you as an investor. I'm really looking at the house. Now, when you go to a bank, it's going to take them 30 to 90 days to get you pre-approved for a loan. They want to know what you had for breakfast, what your credit score is. I mean, it's way, way too much information. You would use a hard money or a private money loan when you're trying to close quickly, and maybe you don't meet the requirements for a traditional bank loan. So it's, it's a useful product, and it's a good way to leverage your cash. Instead of having to have everything out of pocket, you just pay your closing costs. You can pay a little bit down on the loan. There are a couple different ways, and I'll get into those, but it's a much easier barrier of entry than I have to have all of my cash here to purchase a house and finance it completely, or I have to go to a bank. And of course, you pay for it. That's, that's why the entire industry exists. So as far as the loan process goes, getting pre-qualified is going to be should be super super easy it's right completely dependent on the lender for me personally i actually have high requirements as far as hard money goes so my product is you have to have a 620 credit score or higher you're gonna have to have two months of bank statements uh seasoned liquidity and that just means that the money's been sitting there for a while there are a whole lot of terms that make it sound complicated but it's not it's very simple so I need to see the season liquidity. I need to see the tax returns. Now, a lot of people get worried about the tax returns. Oh, man, I didn't make very much money on my taxes. We don't care. We're looking for foreclosures or forbearances or bankruptcies or anything that would say that you're not a good borrower. Nobody's really looking at how much money you made or how long you've been there. Don't worry about it. And the last thing that we're going to do is need an application. Now, that is for us. And like I'm saying, those are very high requirements. Most lenders, uh, there are a large amount of lenders, they don't even care about you as a person. Yeah. They just care about the deal that you find. Yeah, they care about the, the, actual, pro the actual 
property that they're going to lend the money on. Right. They're absolutely. concerned they don't want you to be in bankruptcy. They don't mm-hmm. want you to have like a a huge tax lien to the IRS or something. But right. mostly they're just concerned about the property. Mm-hmm. You can have because I've known guys that their credit score was just horrible. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, it was, you know, five fifty credit scores. They've been laid on all kinds of stuff, but they're buying a house that's going to be worth two hundred thousand once it's rehabbed. Mm-hmm. They're getting the house for sixty grand. The hard money guys like I can't lose. Yep, and they lend them the money, even though this guy's got a five fifty credit score. Yeah, yeah. So that's a perfect uh, segue into what does a hard money loan actually do? What happens is that I, as the lender, is I would take over that mortgage. I would own it. I get what's called a first position lien. So even though the house would be officially in your name under the title, I own it. If you don't make the payments, I can take it back from you, just like the bank. But I will only give you a certain percentage of that house, the completed value. So it's going to be the ARV, which is after repaired value. So you find a house at 60K, you're going to put 40,000 into it. And at the end of it, it's going to be 200,000. Well, now I can give you all of that money because I'm only lending 50% of what that ARV is. And so that you've got LTV, which is loan to value, ARV is after repaired value. You'll get a whole bunch of terms thrown at you. It sounds complicating, but it's, it's not. Right. It's super simple. So even if you were a terrible borrower, I'm completely confident in giving you that money because I am only giving you 50% of what the house is worth. Right. And I know that if you don't make a payment, great, I will take it back. And now I have a property at 50% of its value. And that's how I keep myself protected. Do you guys have, have, do you guys foreclose on a lot of people or? So that's another really good question is the dark truth of lending is you stand to make the most money from taking people's houses. We don't, but that's because our qualifications are high. That's part of, as I have really good borrowers, almost a paper borrowers and a paper is just a term to mean that you've got great liquidity and you're an awesome borrower, basically somebody at the bank would lend to the way that you keep your foreclosures low is by making sure that the deal is good and that your clients, your borrowers have really good liquidity and payment history and credit. Um, so I personally don't, I don't close foreclose on many of my properties because my borrowers are great. There, <clears throat> there are lenders out there that don't do that research and they're just kind of hoping, Hey, you know, maybe this guy's really, really bad. We're just using him to start taking back properties. So when you're looking for a lender there, I would say there's a sweet spot. You don't necessarily have to go to someone that has all of my pre-requirements, but you also don't want to go to the guy that says, man, I don't care about anything. Just bring me the house. And if it's good, I'll lend to you. Right. Like, you know, you've got a bunch of foreclosures and bankruptcies and that they don't care. That's a red flag. That would be something that I would look out for. And you know, there are people that can make it work, but it's a business, right? Right. So everybody's going to try and make their profit one way or the other. Uh, I can say the foreclosures are a pain in the ass. Nobody really likes dealing with them. So most lenders don't. They do everything that they can to not take back a property. Um, and we get into that a little bit later. But to answer your question, no. No, I, th- I think I've had maybe two foreclosures. Well, I've known because I've, you know, I've known a bunch of hard money guys. And I've asked a few of them. You know, I've asked a couple of them where, hey, do you guys, do you, have you done a lot of foreclosures? And, mm-hmm. and both of them who'd been in the business like 10 or 15 years, they were like, I've never had a foreclosure. And I'm like, are yeah. you serious? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, they're like, I'm like, you, nobody's ever not paid. And they're like, oh no, I've had people not pay. They said, but after like a month or so, I'll eventually get a hold of that person and say, mm-hmm. listen, you know, I've been by the house. 
you're not working on it, you're not doing this, you, you know, like there's all these issues I can see, you're not, you haven't made a payment, and they've gone to them and said, look, here's what, you, what we're going to do. Mm. You're going to sign the house over to me. You're going to, you know, you're going to uh, quit claim deed it or quit claim deed it to me. Mm-hmm. And whatever you're going through, if you, once you figure all that out and you get your life back on track in a year or so or whatever, if you want to come back and borrow from me again, I will b- lend to you. If you make me foreclose on you, yeah, I will blackball you. I will never lend to you again. I will put the judgment on your credit. Mm-hmm. I will like, I'll do everything I can do to make things bad for you because you forced me to foreclose. And, and both of them said, look, you'd be shocked how many times they're like, look, man, here's what happened. They'll explain the situation and they'll say, you know, you're right. I'm just going to sign it over to you. Or sometimes right. they suddenly say, look, they, they explain the situation. Maybe they pull themselves out of it. I had a deal one time where I thought two houses were closing and um, neither deal felt uh, neither deal went through, and they closed. You know, a month or two later, but you, it's just a fell apart. Like within three, or, two or three deals fell. Two deals fell apart within a couple of days. Mm. So I and I was like, oh my gosh! And I was in the middle of flipping at this one property. I went to the hard to the hard money guy, and I said, listen, here's my issue. You know, I'm I thought I was going to get money from the one of these two deals, so I could keep doing the renovation. I didn't do it. It didn't happen. Now it looks like neither one's going to close for several weeks. And the guy, and he he looked, he said, how much do you need? Right. And I went, well, what do you mean? I said, no, I'm just letting you know that. He said, yeah, but you want to keep working on it, right? And I can see that you've, you're almost done. What do you need? And I was like, man, I need another 30 grand. He, I said, but I'm going to get it from, and he was like, no, no, no. He said, look, I'll let, here's what we're going to, I'll do an amendment and to the, the mortgage. Mm-hmm. And we see, he went in his office. Wrote it up, gave me a check for thirty grand. I signed it. it. We had it notarized, and he gave me thirty more grand right then. Yeah, because I had a good relationship with him, and I was very honest with him up front. Here's what's happening. He was like, "No problem," and he could he could see that I had bought. I, first of all, I'd already done several deals with him. Oh, that's that's key, right? Yeah, yeah I had a relationship with him, mm-hmm. and I was honest. I went straight to him. I did not make the payment. I didn't. I didn't. You know, I I didn't spin him. I didn't lie to him. He totally trusted me. It's funny because he didn't even know my real name, um, but still, even even as even as in a stolen identity, I was mm-hmm. still very honest with the guy. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think being honest with most of the guys, you know, because you're still the great thing about a hard money guy is that you're not dealing with you're not dealing with this faceless institution that you can't call somebody up. At least they get to call you up and say, here's what's happening. Oh, right, right. You know, and you, you want to say, stay on top of your clients. You want to have good relationships with them and they're going to have good relationships with right. you because at the end of the day, you are the money. And so as yeah. a lender, I only have one stick, but it's a big fucking stick. Right. I'm going to take your house back. And then all the money that you paid for it, I'm going to take all of that. And you're not getting any of it back. So both the borrower and the lender are incentivized to have a really good relationship with each other. And, I mean, there's no way that I'm going to know somebody has a stolen identity, but as long as you're right. transparent and honest with me about it, we're always going to want to work with you because we don't want to go through a foreclosure. Uh, not only does it make us look bad, right? But then also you're going to go tell all your friends, like, hey, don't borrow money from these people. They just want to take your house back. They're crooks. And the only thing that you have in this entire industry is your relationship and your reputation. So, okay, so give me a scenario from start to finish mm-hmm. on how borrowing money from you and the other thing is like your guidelines are not the guidelines for everybody no like no no every- I, we don't have to talk about the qualifications but i can right. run through like start to finish hey here's how you find a deal here's how you get the lender and right exactly so forth. 
exactly how how does that happen yeah so first if, of all if you, somebody wants to be an investor like right somebody says hey i want to buy a house i want to fix it up and i want to sell it yeah and that's what they want to do what is the process i guess the best way to start with that would be the way how, like how did i get into this i was driving around just listening to podcasts there's this podcast called bigger pockets and they do nothing but put out podcasts on how to start real estate investing it's pretty interesting and so that's where i would start don't just say oh well i think i can do this build yourself a little bit of an education but let's pretend that you've already done that and then you're going to want to reach out to i suggest reaching out to a lender first you want to get pre-qualified so you know the type of house that you can go find so you call a lender and you've run through his pre-qualification process and i'd say okay great uh, mr cox you're pre-qualified the next part is to go find a deal and again the pre-qualification you, you mean a hard money lender uh, or like a private yourself. money lender or yeah but yeah hard hard money is what i would suggest using because usually they're going to be a little more they're going to be a little more stringent with their rules but it's all for your benefit and I'll, we can come back to that but you're going to get pre-qualified with a the lender they will tell you how much money you're pre-qualified to buy and then that will give you it'll narrow the field on the deal that you're looking for so you're not um, you're only qualified for five hundred thousand. You're not going to go buy a fourteen million dollar multifamily project, or you know, if you can do five hundred thousand, you're not going to look for a hundred thousand dollar flip either. So get your pre-qualification. Then you're going to start go looking for a deal. Now the deal is the most important part in all of real estate. And it's trite, but the saying is, you really make your money when you buy the deal. It's not when you sell it. Now how to find a deal is going to be important. I work very closely with all of my clients. I kind of walk them through the process. I'm used to dealing with a lot of new investors. So I will give them the resources. The easiest way to do it is to find a wholesaler. So what a wholesaler does is a wholesaler finds tons of properties that are owned by distressed sellers. So these are people that are underwater on their mortgage. Uh, they're behind on their payments. Maybe there is a death in the family and the family doesn't want to deal with that house. Um, problems with title or all they're doing is they're finding houses and purchasing them for less money than the house is actually worth and then the wholesaler will make a little fee on it and he'll turn around and blast it out to a group of investors right so i tell all of my investors these are the wholesalers you want to sign up with they'll send you deals to your inbox every day and then i'll teach them how to run the numbers through it so you're going to want to part of investing as the investor I always thought it was so much more involved than it is. But as an investor, all you need is money, which is why you'd come to somebody like me. Your only job is to learn how to look for a deal. That's really all the work that you have to do. You can choose to be more involved in it if you want, but you're looking for that deal. So you're running numbers, you're running numbers. Let's say that you find a deal, and I'm going to stick to these numbers that we talked about earlier. Just They're right. simple, they're easy. So you find a deal for 60000 You know that if you put 40000 into that house, it should be worth 200000 afterwards. And I'll walk through how to get those numbers, but let's just say that you have that deal. You turn around, you call your lender, and you say, hey, Ethan, I'm pre-approved. I've got this deal. What's my next step? I want, I want it. What's my next step? So I would tell you, okay, Matt, put in an offer on the house, right? The asking price is sixty k. The wholesaler is going to usually ask for EM or EMD is earnest money down. Just think of it as a deposit. You're putting down a deposit which says no other borrower or potential investor can take this property. This is now belonging to Matthew Cox until title is cleared or he closes on it. It's like an option period on a house. Right, right. So you put that money down. It's non-refundable. This is the first risk that you as an investor are going to make. The only time that money could come back to you is if the wholesaler didn't do a job 
well in clearing the title. If the title is not clear, you will get that money back. But if the title is clear, and for some reason you decide you don't want to do that deal, that money's gone. And usually it's, I mean, I've seen them as low as 250 bucks all the way up to 7,500. So it's going to be independent on the, or rather dependent on the wholesaler and what the specific project is. But if the deal is good, I'm going to tell you like, hey, go put down your earnest money. So you put down the earnest money and then you get an assignment contract. You would then email that to me and I would start doing all the background work, all the paperwork. So I'm going to order for me specifically, I need an appraisal. Lots of hard money lenders don't need appraisals. The reason that we do it is because it really protects the borrower. Now, in an appraisal, so you need an appraisal and a survey to get title insurance on uh, on a pro- on a property, a specific specific level of title insurance. Things like you want to make sure that there are no easements on the property. You want to make sure that there are no uh, encroachments. And to get into those terms real quick, and e- let's say that the property is on a lot, right? And a lot is just a broken out piece of land that a subdivision is divided into. Who knows how long ago when it was developed? Let's say that for some reason your neighbors have been building into your property lot. A survey will say, okay, well, this property line is now on your lot. Or even worst case scenario, the property that you bought is built on the neighbor's lot. Normally not a problem in a cash sale, but lenders, almost always traditional lenders, like someone who's going to go buy the house, they require a survey. And if my property is on my neighbor's property, no one's going to sell to me. They can't sell that house. Because what if the neighbor comes in and says, no, you get that survey and the neighbor says, hey, man, you've got like four feet of your house. The entire east side of your house is four feet over into my property line. I want you to tear it all down. It's a really big problem. So a lot of lenders don't require it. I would always suggest getting one just because you don't want to go through the hassle of rehabbing an entire house and then put it up on the market. You get a potential buyer come in and their their lender needs a survey. The survey comes back. You've got encroachments and uh, man all right, well, now you're in trouble and you've done all this work and you're under a loan and nobody's going to sell it. So I would, I would order the survey. I would order the appraisal and you're just hanging out waiting. In the meantime, while you're waiting, I would definitely suggest that you start talking to some general contractors. There are a whole bunch of resources. Facebook is probably one of the best uh, as far as groups for investors. You say, Hey, look, I'm looking for a contractor. You can get on Craigslist. You can go to Google. It really doesn't matter. Contractors are everywhere. Um, you're going to start walking them through the house. They'll put bids together for this is how much I think I can finish it with. Um, and of course you're trying to minimize your rehab budget because it's going to become important later. Right. And then let's say that the appraisal comes back in and we hit 200. Okay. Excellent. That means that my total loan amount is going to be 50% of what that ARV is. Because, all right, yeah, yeah, if you buy it for 60 and you're putting 40 into it, you get 100% or 100,000 is a total amount. If the value is 200,000, that's 50%. So I'll give you 100% of that cost. And it can get confusing, but cost is going to be the purchase price and the rehab amount altogether. Right. So when you hear people talk about, okay, well, how much loan to cost are you going to cover or how much loan to value? or All you really need to know is... Is the is my file a hundred percent covered? In this instance, it would be. Uh, if it had come back at a hundred thousand, well, it wouldn't be at all. Right. Well, now they could you that you could still do it, but they would have to come. With They'd a have to come out of pocket. So I lend specifically me. I lend seventy percent of the ARV. You'll live up to seventy. Up to seventy percent. Correct. So in this example, let's say that the ARV was a hundred thousand. 
well, your total cost is 100000 So, of course, that's a bad deal. My responsibility to my investors, and this is just the way that I work. Again, all lenders are going to be different, but my responsibility to you would say, hey, Matt, this is a bad deal. You're right. going to lose money on it and we'll walk you away from it. But let's just say for the sake of argument, I'm not a good guy. I'm just trying to get my loans out. And I'm like, sweet, yeah, let's move forward. If I'm only lending 70% of that ARV and the ARV is 100000 I'm only going to give you $70,000 for it. So what that means is that I'll cover the purchase price. You don't have to pay any money on that purchase of the house, but I'm only going to give you 10000 out of the 40000 that you need to repair that house. So you're going to be coming 30000 out of pocket on the, on the construction draw. So what happens is I take that 10000 and I'd put it into an escrow account. Escrow is another word that's real estate. It's a bank yeah. account. It's just yeah. a bank. You're going to stick it in a bank account. Right. right, right. That's all it means. It's just hanging out there until you need it. And the way that you get it is you pay up front. A lot of people don't know this. They think, okay, well, I got $10,000. Give it to me and I'll go work on the deal. Yeah. It's not like that. I'm not giving you a check of $10,000 to hope that out of the goodness of your heart, you're going to go work on this deal right. at that 10K. So I would cover it and you walk out of the closing. Then you're going to have to pay your contractor up front. And let's say that you do $10,000 of demo work and framing and drywall. I'm right. just making it all up. So you pay your contractor up front that 10K, and then you would turn in a construction draw to me. So you're drawing down the money out of escrow. Yeah, out of the 40,000 of work that needs to be done. Sure. You just did 10, you have 10 set aside. Yes, so you turn it, it's basically like a receipt. And you turn it into me and say, Ethan, I did $10,000 of work. I want to get my money back now. I say, okay, great. So we look at your draw request. We send out a third-party inspector, and this is something else that I would strongly advise is always have a third-party inspector come out. Some lenders have their own appraisers. Some lenders have their own construction companies. Some lenders have their own uh, inspectors. The problem with that is that you can it very easily opens you up to accusations of fraud. Right. Like, hey, you know, my, my construction inspector wants me to put more money out because the higher... Or the more expensive your uh, deal, the more interest you're paying to me. And I'll cover all the money part of it in a second. But you want a third-party inspector. You always want to have it done. It also helps with the house. You know, when you're selling it, you're like, hey, look, here are all the inspection reports that I had that this work was actually done. I'm not just selling you something. that I didn't just make this up. So the inspector goes out. He takes a bunch of pictures. He takes some notes. He says, yes, this work was actually done. He brings back the inspection report to me. And I say, okay, great. It all checks out. I'm going to wire you that $10,000. And so that's how draw processes work. You're going to give them 10,000. There needs $40,000 worth of work needs to be done. Mm -hmm. There's $10,000. you are going to give them the $10,000 up front? No, no, no. If his, if his 10000 go ahead. He's done 10000 in work. Mm -hmm. 40000 needs to be done. Correct. He only has 10000 in escrow. Mm -hmm. He comes and says, look, 10000 has been done. Your uh, yeah, guy, I'm about to explain that. Your guy yeah. agrees. You're right. He did do $10,000 of work. Mm -hmm. You're saying... You're going to give him 10 or you're going to give him 2,500. Yeah. So I actually wouldn't give him anything. And this is always going to be lender specific as well, but you have to think about it. From, and this is kind of frustrating and annoying, but this is how the banks work. I'm buying my money from the bank. So let's pretend you're the bank and I'm the lender and I'm coming to you and I say, Hey Matt, I want to buy a million dollars that I can then turn around and sell. You're going to say, okay. And I've got restrictions. I mean, do you want to talk about the rules for buying it or not really? No. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't want to get too specific. Okay. It's, okay. It's complicated. So, it's already uh, overly complicated. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm trying to make it as simple yeah. as possible. But yeah, basically, um, you are not going to allow me 
to borrow your money until the investor has put their own money in the deal. So for this example, where you have to do $30,000 of work yourself, because I can only give you 10 out of the 40 that you need, the bank's going to want you to do that $30,000 first. Oh, it's before all you give them the, mm, the remaining 10. You'll give right, them the Right, but that's specific 10. to me. Yeah. So, you know, some lenders, they will do the 25 out of the out of the 10, or they'll right. do, you know, it's completely specific to the banks that you're purchasing lines from. But most okay. banks want the investor to have more skin in the game. They don't want to give them just, because the risk as the bank is, you know, what if I give you 10K and then you just don't finish the house? Right. So that's, that's how the construction draws work. Right. And then at the end of it, but mm. let's go back to the original scenario mm. where the ARV wasn't a hundred thousand. It did come right. back at two hundred thousand. Right. So you bought the house for sixty. Mm. It needs forty thousand in work. The house did was valued at after the repair uh, value was two hundred thousand. So they come to you with the first ten thousand dollars of re- money that's been completed. It has been inspected. Your inspector said yes. All that work was done. Mm-hmm. Are you? How much are you going to give them? I'll give them the whole 10K. Okay. So if I'm covering 100% of the loan, I'm also covering 100% of rehab cost, which means every draw repair that you send or every draw request that you send in, I'm going to give you 100% of that money. So if you turned in a request, I mean, and there's no limit on the amount of draw requests that you want to do. I mean, if you wanted to do one every week, you could. I wouldn't advise it, but it depends on how much cash reserve you have and how quickly you need that money back. Because remember, right. you have to pay these guys up front. Yeah. So yeah, if I'm covering 100% of it, I'll give you every single dime every single time. Okay. All right. So now they've got they've they've renovated the property. They got their 60 purchase, 40,000 in repairs. It's completely done. The house is appraising at 200,000. It's completely mm-hmm. done. The carpet's in, the tile, yeah. the kitchen looks great. It's got the new it's got the new roof on, new stucco. It's beautiful. He puts it on the market and he sells it. Mhm. Right, or he puts it on the market and then he's he's waiting to sell, hoping it. to sell it, hoping yeah. to sell it. It during this whole time, he's been making payments to you every Absolutely, month. So it's yeah. taken four, this has been a four month process. Generally, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the money of it is it's interesting. It's an interest only payment. So with a typical bank loan, you know, you're paying principal and interest. Right. This is interest only, right. and I don't charge interest on construction escrow, which means. In this original example, the 60, the 40, and the 200, I'm only charging you interest on that 60,000. And then as you turn in draw requests, and let's say you take 10,000 out, now I'm charging you interest on 70,000. Let's say you take another 10,000 out, now I'm charging you interest on 80, and on and on and on. But basically that money in construction escrow, you're not getting charged for it until you draw it out. So yes, it's interest only payments and the, the interest amount grows as you draw down that construction escrow. And that's how I make my money. Right. Well, what about payments? Are they making payments? That's it. Yeah. It's every month. And yeah, it, every it, month. the interest goes up by the amount that you draw down. Okay. So you're saying, so if he borrowed, a, basically he's borrowed $100,000. So it's, and it's, let's say 12% interest. Mm-hmm. So the first month is, instead of being $1,000 a month, the first month is 600 Right. Next month he took a $10,000 draw. So the next mm-hmm. month is now 700 Exactly. And then the next month is 800 if he took another draw. Or if he took yep. two draws, then it's 900 Or if he took all three in one month, then it's $1,000. And he's going to keep paying $1,000 until that house sells. Every month until it sells. Back. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So to get a little bit more into the specifics of the actual product, most hard money loans for residential properties are six months. 
and most hard money lenders don't have a problem with you finishing the property early and getting out from it. Because keep in mind, I'm leveraged. If I, the faster you pay me my money back, the quicker my risk is then reduced and great, we can all go on to our next project. So it's a six month term. Let's say for some reason your house doesn't, isn't completed at the end of six months, or maybe it's been on the market at the end of five and a half months, but it's going to take a couple weeks for it to close. And now you're pushing into that seventh month. Again, most lenders do have a modification. A modification just means I'm going to change the terms of the loan. So like in that example, when you were talking about, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you need to change anything with it, okay, great. I'll extend it by a month or six months or a Right. It's really probably not going to happen with Bank of America. No, Uh, no, definitely not. No, Bank of America is that they're going to say (laughs) now. Yeah. So that's uh, you are you're going to be paying those interest only payments to me every month until you sell the house. And once you sell the house, this is going to be a little convoluted, but to keep it simple, there's money coming into that house. A big portion of that money goes to paying off the amount that you purchased the house for my loan amount, plus all of the money that you've paid me that interest and then you keep the balance. So in this example, let's say at 12%, it's $1,000 a month for $100,000, just to make this really, really easy. So for six months, if you've spent $100,000, 60 on the purchase, 40 on the rehab, and then $6,000, because that's 1% for six months. So $106,000 would be taken out of your purchase price. I guess their purchase price, the, the buyer's purchase price, right? So they're buying it for 200,000 minus 106,000. And that's going to be 94,000 left over that goes to you as profit. That's the way it works. Now, those numbers are never going to actually happen that way. Oh, I mean, they might, but if you get a deal that good, you better close on it right. today. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how I make my money. That's how you make your money. And it's, that's how hard money works. There are several other technical terms about, you know, I'm not only taking that 6%. I can get more into the money or we can go in a different direction if you have more questions. Yeah, well, I mean, you're getting, you're saying 6%. You're, you're, you're basically, it's it's 12% simple interest. It's, it it's six payments. It's $6,000. Right. Correct. Plus every time the inspector went out, you had to pay the inspector. Yeah, See, yeah. the guys, the, the hard money guys I know, like one, they didn't use an appraiser. They mm-hmm. went out. They knew the area. Mm-hmm. They looked and they said, "How much do you think this thing's gonna, you're going to get for this?" And I go, "Ah, one sixty, one fifty, you know, one fifty, yep. one sixty. And they go, "Yeah, I could see that because they knew the area." Sure. And they and then they would lend the money. You know, let's say the per, I was purchasing it for let's say, let's say ninety thousand. So they'd lend the they'd lend, and I needed I was going to rehab it, mm-hmm. and they had thirty thousand in rehab. So it was going to be a total loan of one twenty. House was going to sell at one sixty. Mm-hmm. Then they would say. They'd lend me the whole thing yep. because I had a relationship with them. So they would lend me the one twenty. They'd hold thirty. So the ninety thousand went to purchase the property. And then every time I called them up, I said, "Hey, I need you to come out. I put the roof on. I, I put in the kitchen." And they stuccoed. I need ten thousand dollars. They yeah. would come out and they'd say, "Okay, so how, so this is what this is ten thousand. I'd be like, "Yeah," and they'd say, "Okay." And they'd write a check for nine thousand seven hundred fifty dollars. Right. Then they'd write themselves a check. For two hundred and fifty dollars, absolutely. They give me a check, and I'd be like, "Well, it was ten thousand, right?" Right. Where did that come from? But I charge two fifty every time you call me out. You can call me out every three days if you want. Like they don't care how many times they. But it's going to be two fifty every time, right? Right. Yeah. So the the day of the closing, like they also would charge would charge like two or three percent. It's the origination. So yeah, Right. right. So it would be. 
So what they ended up making after six months was they make because it's they lent they wouldn't do what you were doing that the escrow they hit me on the whole thing even if they're holding the escrow. Yeah, that's that's rough. <laughs> right. So I'm paying. So on a hundred twenty thousand dollar loan, I'm paying at twelve percent interest, simple interest. I'm paying twelve hundred dollars every yep. single month. Yep. So in six months, I would have paid six months worth of payments mm-hmm. at. 1200 bucks so they make those payments mm-hmm. they would also make if they came out four times at 250 they made an extra thousand there plus the day of closing they charged me on origination let's say two percent yep that's twelve hundred dollars or twice so mm-hmm. that's two thousand four hundred dollars so i mean they're really like at the end absolutely you yeah. think oh they're making oh they're making 12 percent interest no they're no not. no there's so much more because they're lending that money twice and they're doing that twice. It ends up being like twenty four percent. Yeah, you know, oh, it, it's a good model way, to have. Yeah, way, it's it's way higher than uh, than twenty four percent because plus it's all those those draw payment, those mm-hmm. draw fees, and it's the two or three percent that they charged up front. It ends up being like twenty six, twenty eight percent interest. Yeah. So the draw the draw is the one thing that I would say is not. Don't worry about that. Um, for me, I'm one hundred twenty five dollars for a draw, but that's because most of my inspectors are $75 to $100. So I'm only making, you know, 50 to $25 as the company, right. as my service charge or whatever you want to call it. The draw fee really isn't that expensive. That mostly just goes to pay for the inspector to come out. Because right. remember, he's not employed by us. We have to actually call him and schedule him. But the origination is the next part that I want to get into. You Points and origination, they're synonymous. They're basically the same thing. But yeah, you just have a different name. Yeah, just think of it, uh, if, if you're new to it, just think of it as a percentage of your loan. That's the easiest way to think about it. So if it's a $100,000 loan and someone's charging three points, you're going to pay $3,000 to me and I will turn around and give you a check for, well, I guess in this case it'd be 60000 plus 40 in escrow. But basically you're buying a $100,000 loan from me for $3,000. So that is another way that I make money. Um, and that's usually upfront. It's always called origination, right? <laughs> At right. the start of the loan. Yeah. And then you, there's some people will defer it. And we can get into all the specifics of that if you want, but a deferment would just mean that, hey, I'm I'm doing the one of these points, like instead of three points up front, I'll do two points up front, and then you'll pay me that last point at the end of the loan. And it's just also called maturity, and I never understood that, but that's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, the, I, the, te- I, the terminology can be... That's one of yeah, the biggest hurdles is people are like, I don't understand these words, and it's such a simple concept. It's like we use these code words so that people can't break into our uh, break into our industry, but it's not difficult at all. So I'd make my money up front on origination. I'd make my interest-only payment money, and then I, you know, maybe 50, 60 bucks here on a draw, but that's not that big a deal. So what if the guy wants to do the, the work himself? Yeah, he's more than welcome to. So uh, you, you can, don't have to have like a, like if he puts a new roof on, mm-hmm. you don't have to have the, you're not saying, you just want to show up and see that the new roof's on. You're not going to Absolutely. say, hey, I want to see that the city inspected the roof. No. I want to see. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah it's super, super yeah. simple. It's not like, again, it's, we're not an actual bank. All we care is that the house is being done. So if the house is completed and if you're doing it yourself, let's say that in your construction budget, you said that it was $20,000 for a roof. Right. But you do the roof yourself, and it only cost you twelve thousand, right? Yeah, in materials, and you and your buddies went out on the weekend, and you yep. had experience, and you did a good job, and it doesn't mm-hmm. leak. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you that full twenty thousand. I'm it's not a twenty thousand dollar roof, exactly. 
So what you do with that extra 8,000 is really up to you. But I, I advise my clients, hey, look, go ahead and make those interest only payments to us out of that difference. That way you have, you know, pay ahead for the next couple months so that you don't have to worry about it. Right. Or, you know, if you want to go, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I do mean, whatever, you know, like it's funny because flipping houses sounds so you watch the programs mm. on TV oh, and they look so, so glamorous. Yeah, right? it's not like that. And, and, and it, it, it really it it really sucks because you, you end up being and I always this is whenever guys talk to me about it, I'm like, mm-hmm. you end up being you're you're a laborer. You're, you're a contractor like mm-hmm. you're now. If, unless you're doing the if you're doing the work yourself, it really sucks. If you're managing the guys, it also sucks because mm-hmm. now you're like a site manager for a construction company that mm-hmm. you don't own, and you can't really fire the guys. And you know, every time you fire someone, it start the whole process starts, starts over. over again. Yeah, it's it's brutal, it, right? And it costs you money because now it's that much further before you're finished with the house and you can put it on the market and try and sell it. And so. And so the other thing is, is that let's say it takes four months mm. or four months to complete it. Another two months to end up getting the contract, getting a, getting whoever's going to buy it. They have to get a loan and that ends up selling. So let's say five months to six months to sell it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody thinks it's great. Well, how are you going to survive during that six months? Unless you're going to keep your regular job working 40 hours a week. Right. You're going to do this, you know, after hours and on the weekends. That's fine. That's possible. But the only real way to make money flipping houses is to do it so that it's worth it is yeah. to be doing four or five of them at a time all the time. Like you've got to be doing like five or six of these things all the time so that mm. every month it seems like something one's closing. Yeah, that's if you don't have a job. Well, that's what I'm saying. Full yeah, time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like if, if you do it full time, it's worth it because it's mm-hmm. my full time job. I'm always doing like six or seven of them or five or six of them. And so one every month is closing. The problem is, is when somebody says, I'm going to do one. Well, I mean, if you're if you're like a bookkeeper and you're trying to do one, and it's not in your industry, it it's it's horrible. It's just a horrible experience because mm. you get off work at five, you got to go meet the guys. The guys know that you don't really, and especially if you have no experience in contracting. Right, if you don't have any experience in contracting. Now you're really at a disadvantage because you've got a drywaller telling, oh no no, you can't do that. You got to do this, and he, he's bullshitting you, or the roofer. It's like, no, no, that's the way it's supposed to go. Trust yeah. me, I'm a roofer. You're a bookkeeper. You don't know what you're talking about. And you're like, I really don't know. It doesn't quite look right. I don't know. Like, unless you're hiring professional guys, and professional guys are expensive. They are. So I, I, I'm going to push back on you on that. I actually don't agree with that. I think that because I deal with new investors all the time, and they have regular nine to fives, and they're just looking for something as passive income. These are people that have been, you know, they've been doing exactly what the American dream teaches you to do. Look, I'm putting I'm putting 20% of this paycheck away. I finally have enough to invest. Where do I want to put it? They're considering market options. You know, where they heard about real estate investing. What I coach my people to do is hire a project manager or a general contractor. And basically what they do is they manage all of the individual contractors. So they are going to hire the plumbers they're going to hire the drywall and the framers the painters the roofers and they will fire people accordingly and bring in new people accordingly now it's more expensive yeah it'll cut into your profit but it also gives you more time away so that you can go continue to maintain that job and what i suggest people do and this is how my clients typically work with me is we'll do a fairly large project to get started because you were right, TV gives everybody this false expectation. The reality is you're lucky if you're making 15 to 30K profit on a flip. That's a really good flip. It's right. not normal. Most people are making you know, 8 to 12, and that's a decent flip, and that's why they do so many at a time. 
But to get to that point, you want to find a really big project. This is just my personal advice. I'm not, I'm not a financial advisor. None of y'all sue me if you go do this and it goes wrong. But the whole point that I make is we want to find something with a ton of profit, like this example that we're talking about. 60000 to purchase, yeah. Forty goes into it. $100,000 profit. $100,000 profit. Uh, and, you know, realistically, it's probably like 20000 It doesn't 000. exist. Yeah, that, that, that deal oh, no, they seldomly it, it's seldom, seldomly seldom exists. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's really about 80000 in profit once you have carry cost, closing cost, you know, all the other stuff. But still, eighty k profit is really good. But why do you want that? If you're, if you're originator or if you're a uh, loan man, if I'm good at my job, I'm going to tell you, yeah, the math says you're going to make 80000 But listen to me, Matt, you're not. And here's why. This is your first project. You yeah. have no idea what you're doing. You're going to hit complications. There are going to be things that are going to go wrong. The reason you want a project, a big project, and usually this is the way it works, is that the larger houses, once they're flipped, they're going to have more profit in it. So it's a much bigger project. Here's how I tell everybody to go about it. You can do five or six small houses. You know, you're buying it for like 40K and you're putting five into it and selling it for 60, whatever. You're making 5,000, 6,000. It's not that big a deal. Or you could do one really big project. If I'm doing a five-bedroom, four-and-a-half bathroom, 18,000-square-foot lot, uh, 90, I don't know, whatever, you can make it up. But you want a big project because it will give you so many lessons. I mean, you run into, okay, well, the electrical is wrong, or maybe the piping. We had this one guy who uh, he bought a really big house for this exact reason, first flip ever, and the house had been abandoned for like five years. Well, guess what? All of the plumbing under the house had rotted away completely. Nobody, you can't tell that when you're walking through a house. Right. So he's going through and he's repairing the, you know, he's pulling up the tile and putting down new tile. And guess what the plumber finds? Hey, I just pulled up a whole huge section of pipe. And like, why? What's going on? So then you have to rip all the floor up, look at all the pipes. The entire thing had to be replumbed. That's a really expensive lesson. If you're doing that on a project where you only have five or $6,000 of profit, yeah. You're in real trouble. Now you're super underwater on the project. If you're doing that on a project where you have $80,000 of profit, okay, well, guess what? Now you only have $60,000 of profit, but you're still making money and you've learned for your next one. Well, I'm going to get this inspected and I'm going to do this on my walkthrough. So that's why I advise people take a really big risk because you have so much room to mess up. That's exactly what I did with mine. So my first personal flip, and the reason that I took this job was so I could be an investor, right? I didn't have the cash to go put into it. I was like, man, how do I start flipping houses? So I took this job. Now I'm learning all about it. My first deal, I bought for $395. It has an ARV of $630,000. That's a huge spread, but it needed $80,000 of work. That's still a really big spread at the end of it after all my carry costs and closing costs and on and on and on. It was supposed to be about $86,000 in profit. Well, guess what? Yesterday, I got a call about it. It's going 40000 over, over the uh, rehab budget. Mm-hmm. Why? So I, I just went from 80000 in rehab to 120000 in rehab. My loan's not covering that. I'm paying all of that out of pocket, that extra forty k. Well, Why is not, it? And you're not making that profit now. No, I'm not. Yeah, so now my 80 profit is dropping down to 40. 40. But the reason that I chose something so large is because I know these things happen. Mm-hmm. And what had happened is there was a huge problem with the foundation wasn't readily available until we got in we started ripping up some of the flooring and those are those are the things that are going to happen to you right so that's how i advise my new investors to get started Uh, once you have done several of those and you have a little bit more experience then i'm totally on board with what you're talking about do multiple at a time you don't need to make massive you're you're not hunting whales yeah you're you're 
fishing for shrimp, you can eat just as well off a whole school of shrimp as you can off of one whale. Yeah, but well, it's much less risk. I was gonna say, well, you're 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 not really pushing back. What you're saying is, I have a solution. Because yeah, really, yeah. if if that person didn't hire the site, the, the full the contractor, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a general contractor or a site manager, and had to do it himself, I mean, now he's getting off work at five five thirty. He's mm-hmm. driving over there. He's trying to meet this uh, guy. It's he's a pain. Doing, like yeah. that's what I'm saying is. It's a horrible. It's a, it's horrible because you're like Very I don't know what yeah. I'm doing. I don't, but you're right. If you're you've got enough of a profit, you can hire that guy and pay. Mm-hmm. You end up paying ten or twenty thousand dollars more. Yep. But you're right. Now you're just getting phone calls and swinging by there on the weekend. Absolutely. Which, which is a way to do it. Like and I, I advise. And, yeah. But I advise like if it's your first project, go there as much as you can. You can still go after work yeah. and get caught up. Be like, hey, what happened today? And you don't want to be a pain. Well, you're, you're always going to do something yourself. Like right, the, the yeah. times, like here's the problem is that every time I've done one, it's like, you know, guys are like, well, you don't, you don't ever have to do anything. I'm like, well, first of all, the first, the most of them, I do something. I mm-hmm. end up doing something. You know, sometimes it's just painting the inside of the house. I try and do something myself. But the, the other problem or the other thing is, you know, or maybe it's laying the tile, uh, t- laying tile, mm-hmm. maybe it's laying hardwood floors. But even if you said, you know what, I'm not going to do anything this time, you're still doing something. You're still picking up cans. You're still trimming some trees. One time I had to pick up glass. I ended up getting, it was me, my wife at the time, her father, her mother, her sister, and her brother-in-law. We all went over to the house and had to pick up shards of glass out of the front yard because... Before when when I bought it, windows had been knocked out, yep. and they, and they changed windows and they piled the windows up in the front yard and just left them. Well, they'd left them, yeah. and people yeah. had broken the, yeah. them out. Yeah. So we they took away the frames, but there's shards of glass mm-hmm. everywhere. So what you know, the, and, and everybody's complaining about it. And then I have to get a Section Eight inspection because I was renting it out. Well, Section Eight first thing they said was. Man, there's glass all over. I don't know yeah. if you've noticed this, yeah. but I see glass everywhere. Like, I can't give you – I can't say this is this house is okay. There are going to be kids here. And I was like, fuck. So literally either I spend five or six hours trying to do this myself or we basically made a line and we're picking shards of glass out of the front yard for about an hour. We did it all the way to the house, all the way back, all the way to the house, all the way – like, you can't hire somebody to do that. You basically have to do yeah. it yourself. You yeah, know what I'm saying? More, you, yeah, yeah. Like, where do you look that guy up? You know? Like, so it's like, oh, glass remover from front yard. Yeah. So you're always doing something. Maybe it's cleaning the windows. Maybe. So you have to understand at some point, you're probably going to get a little dirty. You're probably going to do something. And, and you're, you're going to want to. You probably yeah. want to. Yeah, yeah. Because it's kind of fun. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes if, you, if you're doing it because you're just excited about it, it's cool to paint a bedroom or our back yeah, it's your first or, project you're, you're right yeah it's your little baby you're like hey i'm learning something new yeah yeah and there's nothing wrong with that like yeah, yeah i would say the more involved you can be you should be but don't feel like you have to be right if you're just doing it as a passive thing i mean you you could hire somebody to pick up glass i mean i, I don't know where you would find them I, I, yeah. but you could you probably find uh, your laborers or yeah something. yeah but yeah it was it but was it's really like, up to uh, what i always ask people when they're first starting to invest with me is what is your dream what do you want because there's some millions of ways to make money and at least hundreds of thousands of those are in real estate investment. There are different styles of real estate investment. I mean, if you just want a whole bunch of money that you can go burn and party with, yeah, I'm going to put you into some flips. If you want to build long-term wealth and you don't mind not getting that money back for some 
few years, maybe even a couple decades, I'll say, okay, well, we're going to do some multifamilies or we're going to do some buy and holds. And so the, what I'm getting after is it's going to depend on the style of investor that you are and how much you want to be involved in that project. Right. But I always encourage you, no matter what style you are, go out and get your hands a little bit dirty so that as you move forward, you get all that experience, you start to learn, and then you won't make those mistakes anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a learning curve. I mean, you know, I think about arguing with contractors and, and guys not doing jobs or guys paying them. And then Mm -hmm. you get out, you, you look and like there, it's so how many times guys are almost finished with a project. Like you, I can see they're putting the last of the windows there. Mm-hmm. They got three of them up and it's almost done there. Yeah. 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 You know, we're, we're putting these in right now. We're going to do this. We're cleaning everything up and it, we'll have all that done. We'll be out of here in about sure. an hour, hour and a half. And, uh, you go ahead and write me the, the check. Cause I need to drop the check off. I got to pay my guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No problem. And you write a check for $7,000. Here it is. And you get in your car and you leave. And then two days later you come back and you find out that Basically, what it looks like as soon as you gave them the check, they, they dropped everything and yeah. left. Well, if you want to start talking it's about like, contractors, oh I've my got a, god, I got a bunch of advice on how to how to work that. I mean, I don't know if you want to get into yeah. it, but we can. Oh, I know what I did. I, I just stopped paying anybody anything until they were done, or I pay them right half, and they'd be like, "No, oh, we're almost done." Right, half, yeah. And when you're, you're done, done, you'll pay the other I'll half. Pay the, yeah. I, mean, I, I became this just complete, not really an asshole, but I was an asshole about it because the guys will try and push you around. Well. So they Some will, but so here's, here's the thing with the contractor is that usually if I'm contracting, right, I'm going to require money up front to get another project started because I have to go buy materials and then I'm going to want my material cost and my labor cost. And like, I want, I want to see a show of good faith. So if I'm almost finished with your project and there's not a whole lot more that you're going to pay me, but I'm starting another one and this client's going to pay me a lot more. Yeah. Why would I come to your house? Yeah, I can, yeah. I, I'm going to go start on that one. So the way that I've always dealt with that is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Keep Hold back. Talk to the contract and be like, look, man, I'm going to pay you when it's finished. Not all of it. You have to give them some, but I'm going to really give you at least 50%. You try and keep as much as you can towards the end. So they're incentivized to stay. Right. Now that's immediately going to cause friction. But the easiest way to diffuse that is be a really, really good, um, I guess, employer, right? Because these are your contract employees. So what you're doing is you're going to want to pay them before you show up. And what I mean by that is you're going to get the rehab, uh, like I've, I've given you the draw, right? I've reimbursed you for everything. You know, the work was done. So when on your way over there, go ahead and send them a Zelle or you know, pay them and however electronically you want to do it. And then when you show up there and you're walking kind of through and they're like, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? And they say, yeah, okay, we've done it all. And then before he can even ask you for payment, just already have it there. Because when he turns to ask you and says, Hey, you know, can you pay us for this? And you say, Oh no, it's already done. Oh man, they're going to, they're going to love you because contractors aren't used to that. They're not used to people actually taking care of them. They're used to that friction of like, Hey, I'm not going to pay you until the work's all done. And even if he gets a job, another job that's much more expensive, he's probably going to come work for you. And you know why? Because you pay him, you pay him. That guy, maybe it takes him 30, 40 days to get his invoices paid, but you, you pay upfront on time and you never have problems with it. That's how you really keep contractors on your side. Now it is true. It opens you up to the risk of, Hey, maybe, maybe they don't finish it or maybe they're being a little sloppy with it. But you have to remember these guys are getting paid by the week, sometimes by the month, but they need to put food on their table consistently. And they know that you're going to be a good source of consistent income for you or for them. Right. So they're going to, they're going to do better work for you than a guy's, you know, but you're not suggesting you ever pay 
all, all up front? Uh, no, up no, front. I'm talking about you that fifty percent. Yeah, you yeah. always okay. Yeah, that fifty percent you pay it before you go there because you know what you're going to ask them. Like I'm like, hey man, I want you to come install this sink or some plumbing for me or something, whatever. And I'm coming to meet you to tell you about it. You and I have already talked about it. I already know what your price is. Before I even walk through that door, I have already zelled you your fifty percent. So that when you're sitting here and you're talking about it, and then you say, hey, you know, how am I going to get paid? I'm like, oh man, it's already done. It's already taken care of. Yeah, uh, that's going to go a long way with you and me and you're gonna be like i want to keep working with ethan he pays me yeah i would never do that but anyway i hear you it's worked for me so like i i've literally got to the point where it was like there were almost things done and honestly it's like 99 percent of the job was done right and 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 i'm and and i've i've got to the point where it was like okay well well, you know hey can you pay us well and i'd write him a check Mm -hmm. and i'd hold back like 400 bucks and they'd be like 400 bucks bro i'm almost done i'm gonna finish that tomorrow that's gonna take me 30 minutes yeah i know good you'll get a check tomorrow but if you don't show up (laughs) yeah i have to hire someone else to finish it and he's not gonna charge me 50 bucks he's gonna charge me to come out to do the estimate to get the stuff to do this it's gonna end up being three or four hundred bucks right and and also by the way this isn't my fault this is your fault Mm. you said you'd be done by friday and you're not yeah and you're not yeah so i don't have to pay you anything at all Oh, absolutely true. You know, and they, and and they're like, well, uh, but you, you want to be careful because they will, uh, you know, if you really mess somebody up, they're gonna put a mechanics lien on your property, and then you, yeah, they, they could be in trouble. It, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's yeah, yeah, none of that matters. Friend, and I'm not telling you go ahead and pay them before they get the work done. I'm yeah. saying that fifty percent, pay them before they get started. Pay them, pay them before they can ask you for it. That's the point that really matters. Give it to them before they can ask you because if they know that they don't have to ask you for money, oh man, they're gonna do a good job. And they're going to keep coming back to you. Wow, now the it, other fifty percent keep have some great guys in in, in, uh, in Houston. In Houston, no, we got we got, got horrible scumbags guys. Scumbags in Tampa. Yeah, yeah, no, we got horrible guys too. But the whole point of that is they need to eat, and so you're you're saving that other fifty percent. If I owe you four thousand dollars and I'm holding two thousand of it, that's a lot of money for someone that's getting paid, especially on a weekly. I mean, it's a lot of money for anybody. If somebody kept two thousand of my four thousand, I'd be pissed. And I'd be really motivated to go finish it up. Yeah. I was going to say, let's just, when did we just finish this? Let's yeah, yeah, finish. yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I mean, you got anything else? What are we doing? Anything else? Um, I and mean, you're, you're in, you're out of Houston. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I only lend in Texas. I, yeah. but this is, this is mostly just for anybody who's interested in getting started and covered a whole lot of points. Um, hard money's, it sounds complicated. It's not. This whole industry is really simple. It's just all barred by these complicated terms, seemingly complicated terms. Yeah, but and and your your I was gonna say, and your your lender is your you have higher standards than most right, hard money. Absolutely. Most hard money guys are just kind of local guys. They yep. have a credit line. They might have a few hundred thousand in their own money. They might have a hundred thousand or half a million dollar credit line. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like that's the most hard money lenders are like yeah. that. Yours is more of an almost an institutional type. Right, of, yeah, type yeah, of and lender. I'm not going to be typical. I mean, you're, most of the lenders are not going to care right. anything about you, really, and they don't yeah. take that personally. They just care about the house. But you're, but you're also, you're, you, what's the maximum you guys lend up to, though, too? Mm, yeah, so for us, it's about $5 million, maybe $6 million yeah. for a single the, project. Yeah, I was going to say, the average guy in like Tampa or the ab- a typical hard money lender like they might the most they'll lend is maybe a couple hundred thousand right uh, yep. you know like they're losing residential only you could do commercial also yeah you know they'll usually it's like like they only have a, a couple million ex- they're accessible to a million or two you know you guys have you know a, a, sure. a massive amount so you're a, you're a much more sophisticated lender than the average hard yeah lender. yeah yeah but and like uh, like I was saying you're gonna want to do your research find out what lender is gonna work best for you um that's that's all I got. All right. All right. So wrap it up. All right. So 
Hey, I appreciate you guys watching. If you like the video, do me a favor and hit the like button, uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell so you get notified of videos like this. Leave me a comment in the comment section. I try and respond to most comments, even if it's just like a heart. Like if I see your comment, I typically see, you know, heart if I'm like okay with it. And sometimes I, yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. just a complete douchebag comment, I typically just don't do anything. But, or I'll leave a, or, you know, or I'll actually answer the comments. I, I do that a lot. Um, share the video to friends and family or anybody that you think's interested, uh, anybody that you think would join the, uh, join the uh, podcast. And at this point, by the way, like 99% of nobody watches. As soon as I go, hey, this, yeah, I mean, you yeah, can yeah. watch it on the thing. It's like, whoo. Yeah, like, great. Just, Here's the whoosh. outro. Yeah. Done. I don't want to so, watch So anyway, I appreciate it. See ya.